0: Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. The thread of the story of Ruth this morning in chapter 2, and beginning at verse 1, Ruth chapter 2. We've just had Naomi and Ruth arrive back in Israel in Bethlehem. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead my daughter, So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvest, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. "'Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. "'I've told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you're thirsty, "'go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled.' "'At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. "'She asked him, "'Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner?' "'Boaz replied, "'I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law "'since the death of your husband.' How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stocks for her under the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. So where we left off our story at the end of chapter one was that Ruth and uh, Naomi had traveled back to Bethlehem, and just as they came into town, she'd encountered the other women, and uh, as, as she describes it, uh, or as it says at the end of the chapter, it says they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So they're coming to town and the harvest is just beginning and it's almost like a little hint of hope from God. But unfortunately, Naomi isn't really in any shape to see the hope in her situation. She's still paralyzed by her despair. In many ways, understandably so. She had, she had faced famine and uh, she'd left her homeland and settled into a new land that, as we discussed, wouldn't be really friendly to Israelites. And then her husband had died and both of her sons. And so she encapsulates her world by saying, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. She feels like she's lost everything. But luckily, we get to see as the story unfolds that Naomi isn't as alone As she imagines, she has Ruth. And Ruth is the one who has traveled with her faithfully. And even though when they arrive, as we said, she says, you know, don't call me Naomi anymore. That means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Like change my name to bitter. And and even though she says this and she says, I went away full and the Lord's brought me back empty... And she doesn't even acknowledge that Ruth is there with her. She says, I got nobody with me. And Ruth's standing right there. She doesn't even introduce her. But Ruth has been faithful to her. And Ruth continues to be faithful to her. In fact, it's Ruth's idea to take the initiative to try to find food for them. And so we're told one day Ruth said to Naomi, let me go out into the fields to gather leftover grain behind anyone who will let me do it. And Naomi said, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. So it's the beginning of the barley harvest. People are out in their fields, they're gleaning. And she says, maybe I'll get lucky. I'll find a a field where I can get behind the workers and I can pick something up. And just so you know, That would have been the only way for foreigners on on the travel, when they were traveling through foreign lands, if they had to find food, that was their only way to get it, is to count on the kindness of strangers who would allow them to glean. And in fact, it was the same for other people in society that wouldn't have had a way to provide for themselves. Widows, orphans were kind of on their own. They didn't have a provider in the family because land always belonged to the men. But interestingly enough, in Israel, it, it, you wouldn't have had to just count on pure kindness alone. There was laws in the Old Testament that God had set up for his people. And, and we talked about one of those laws last week, about, about this law that Naomi had referred to, where a brother who survived after his brother died would marry his brother's widow in order to keep the land in the family and in order to provide for that wife and, uh, and to provide an heir. And so there were all kinds of laws about how they treated each other and how they cared for each other within Israel and to outsiders. And in fact, this is something that's also true here. In Deuteronomy 24, uh, there are gleaning laws that are mentioned. And so it tells us in chapter 24 and verse 19, "When when you're harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. When you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave some of the olives for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. This also applies to the grapes in your vineyard. Don't glean the vines after they've been picked, but leave any remaining grapes for the foreigners, orphans, and widows. Remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. That's why I'm giving you this command. They knew what it was like to be dispossessed people in a foreign land and to have to count on kindness, which they didn't receive in Egypt very much. And so he says, remember the way you were treated and treat the people who pass through your land better. Then in Leviticus 19, verse nine and 10, it, it, it gives the law again and it says, when you harvest the crops of your land, don't harvest the grain along the edges of your field and don't pick up what the harvesters drop It's the same with your grape crops. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines. Don't pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Let them, leave them for the poor and the foreigners among you. I am the Lord your God. There's several passages in the Old Testament that tell us not every Israelite did this. Like there's passages that tell stories about how people didn't keep these laws all the time. There's no bylaw officer you could apply to. There wasn't anybody you could appeal to if you were traveling through a field and they said, get out of here, I don't want you here. If they did pick their fields, clean themselves, and, and take all of their produce, there was no one to stop them from doing that. But God had set up his law, and, and his order to them, his command to them was, look, take care of the people who can't take care of themselves. Leave What you don't pick on the first pass, you leave alone, and and don't go right to the edges of your field. Like, leave the edges unharvested. Some of us would find that really hard to do, right? Not because we're not kind, but because we're thorough. Like, when you do something, you like to do it right. You like to do it all out and, and, and get everything. But that's what they were ordered not to do, because they had to leave some for foreigners who were traveling through, for widows, for orphans who had no way to provide for themselves. It was a rule of the Lord that you do that. And he did that so that they would be generous with those who didn't have a way of providing for themselves. And so Ruth goes out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And uh, and what we're told in verse three, she went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. As it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz. Yeah. So the famine in Israel happened to end. And Naomi just happened to hear in Moab where they didn't have anything to do with the people of Israel. She just happened to fall on the information that the famine had ended in Israel And that it was safe to go home. And Ruth and Naomi just happened to come back to Bethlehem right as the barley harvest was starting. That's the day they arrived. Just happened to be that way. And as it happened, Ruth stumbled onto this field of a guy named Boaz. That happened to be related to Elimelech, who is Naomi's dead husband. just happened that way. Just a coincidence. Because that's how things work out sometimes. And it happens. And you wonder when you read this story and all these things fall into place, you wonder how many and it happens does it take before you start to see a pattern. I wonder how many and it happens work out for us and we chalk them up to coincidence. We say, well, it it just worked out that way. I got lucky this time. But it just happened and it just happened to be Boaz's field. She goes out to pick a random field to see if she can glean and she happens on Boaz's field. Let me tell you a few things about Boaz other than that he's related to Elimelech. Boaz, if you noticed in the story, his first words to his workers aren't, how are things going? How much of the field have you got done? How much have you harvested? Like how much do we have? Going on here, uh, or pick up the pace. The boss is here. Stop slacking. No, his first words to his workers is a blessing. I think that's noteworthy. Then Boaz asks about this young lady in his field. He said, "Who is this woman that's that's gleaning behind you? Like, like, what's her story? What's what's she about?" He takes an interest in the woman that's gleaning in the fields, and he doesn't say, oh, she's a foreigner, get her out of here. He allows her to continue. Boaz asks about her, and then he lets gleaners glean, like he's the kind of guy who obeys the law of God. We're told he's a righteous man, and because he's a righteous man, because he loves God, and he wants to obey him, he lets gleaners glean in his field. In fact, he goes Above and beyond the letter of the law. The letter of the law says, like, don't, don't do the edges, and, and if you drop something, let it lie. But he doesn't just do that. He makes sure that she has some. In fact, first, he says, uh, you can tell her that she can drink the water of my hired hands. And he tells the hired hands, let her drink uh, from, from your water supply while you're there. He doesn't have to do that. That's not part of the law. But he does it. And he doesn't have to tell his workers not to harass her. He could say, well, she's on her own, like she's not my problem, but he doesn't. He says to them, you don't give her a hard time. You don't harass this young woman. You leave her be and you let her have some water and you allow her to drink. And in fact, instead of just letting her glean the edges, uh, let her walk right through the middle of the field with all the workers right behind them picking up. He makes sure that she's safe from harassment he respects her character. In fact, he says, uh, then he, when lunchtime comes, he says, uh, come on over and eat with my, my workers. And and he feeds her so full that she's got leftovers to take home in a doggy bag to Naomi. Like that's over the top, right? And then he says to her, you know, what's your story? And she says, man, I, I can't, can't believe you've done this for me. And, and he says, look, I really respect the way that you've treated Naomi. And may the Lord bless you and he pronounces a blessing on Ruth. He respects her character and he blesses her for the kind of person she is and he asks God to bless her. That's whose field Ruth just happened to go out to glean in. Stumbled on it. Dumb luck, right? That's what we're supposed to believe. So God's out to get you, right, Naomi? My God doesn't care what happens to you. In fact, he's looking for ways to punish you. But he made sure that you found out about about the crops and how the famine was over. And he made sure that you arrived just in time to catch the barley harvest. And, And when Ruth takes the initiative and she goes out and you're still home sulking, she stumbles on the exact right, best possible field she could walk into to get looked after so that she could come home not just with with grain but with a bag of leftovers from lunch so that Naomi can eat that all just happened as it happened and you get the impression when you read the story that that the author of the book of Ruth doesn't really believe as it happened at he keeps pointing out everything about it Ruth the Moabite and, and Boaz and Boaz is a really upstanding guy and here's who Boaz is and here's what Boaz is like and here's the character of this man Boaz so Naomi God's out to get you and Ruth would be better off in Moab right like she'd be back better off if she'd stayed home with her parents and her family and her friends and the culture she'd grown up in. And, and remember, Naomi had he even spelled out, she'd said, go back to your gods. Because my God, the God of Israel, he doesn't even like me very much. And he's out to get me. Go back to your own. You'd be better off with that religion even. That's what Naomi had said in her bitterness but she finds herself Ruth following along anyway and being faithful. And when she gets to Israel, she finds out this God is not out to get them, but he makes sure that they're provided for. And so she walks out and she thinks she's just picking a random field, but God lines things up so perfectly so that she's in a field with a man of God who goes above and beyond to make sure that she's okay. He's generous and he's gracious and he's kind just like the God he serves and he goes above and and beyond even what God has required of him because he's generous and he's kind like the God that he serves so Ruth would be better off in back in Moab they got men like Boaz in Moab They got men of character that serve the one true God of heaven in Moab. Do they have people who go above and beyond and look after other people's problems that aren't their problems because God has instructed them to? They got those kind of guys in Moab. Men who are generous and reflect the generous God that they serve, do they have those? Would she have been better off? And all because she'd made up her mind on the road and said, that God's going to be my God and that people's going to be my people. And here she is being provided for and cared for. And even for Naomi, who is still bitter and still angry and still thinks that God's out to get her, God is making sure she doesn't go hungry tonight and that she's got a way to not go hungry tomorrow night or the night after or the night after that. And when things get cold and the barley harvest is over that they will by then have stockpiled enough that they will get through. That's the kind of God he is. And Naomi hasn't given him enough credit for all the coincidences that she's run into. Somehow she's seen the bad things in life And it's blinded her to all the times, all the moments when God was protecting and providing and looking after and graciously being generous with her. She hasn't noticed at all. She can't see Ruth. She can't see the harvest. She can't see the food. She can't see the way that he's looked after every step of the journey so that she's been kept safe. And she's arrived back home among friends who welcome her with a smile on their face and say, look, it's Naomi. And the thing is, even when we encounter hard times, even when we look at life and it's dealt us so harshly that we begin to wonder if God's out to get us, even when we're most bitter against God, even when we are so bitter and we've misjudged God and we've written him off, he has never written us off. And he never quits on us and he never stops pouring forth blessings. And they may look like small things. It may seem like it's just stuff that's happened, but every blessing that we encounter, every gift that's given to us, every time that we have enough to eat before we fall asleep, it comes from the hand of God. And it could be that we are not as lost as we feel. And it could be that some moments were just between coincidences. And we don't notice the blessings because we are so caught up in the tragedies of life. And God still provides for us, but how much better is it when we notice the pattern, when we pick up on the clues, when we see what he's doing and recognize how good he is to us how much better when we hang on to hope and we recognize the blessings when they come. And we don't have to do that. Like we could just get by and sometimes he gives us blessings anyway, but how much better is it? How much easier on us is it when we notice the hand of God and we pay attention to everything he's done for us? And if we give them the blame for the things that go wrong, we also have to give them the credit for the things that actually go right. God is looking after Naomi despite her bitterness and he's using Ruth and Boaz to do it. God is blessing Ruth for the decisions she made on the road to be his and to be part of his people. And so her character is being developed and she is noticing things and she finds herself back in the land of Bethlehem where she meets the kind of man that has character and, and, and strength and generosity and kindness and grace who's kind to everybody he meets whether they're from his tribe or not, whether they're one of his people or not. He doesn't judge her. Instead, he cares for her. And he's kind to everybody crosses paths with, it seems. And you and I, sometimes we don't notice what God is doing and sometimes we don't follow along with what he's, where he's leading us. Sometimes we're bitter like Naomi and we don't notice all the coincidences. We don't notice what God's doing. And, and for some of us, we might be new believers and like Ruth, we haven't learned it all yet. And we're not really sure how this plays out and maybe we've just not learned yet enough to, to really recognize it for what it is. She says, oh, you're being so kind to me. I, I, I can hardly believe it. Like, why are you doing this? You're giving me, I'm below your servants even, but here you are being so kind. I, I don't get it. You get the impression she didn't find that kind of treatment back in Moab. She wouldn't have expected anyone to treat a foreigner that way back home. But now here she is among God's people, especially among a faithful believer who follows what God told him to do and goes above and beyond to act like the God that he serves. And then there's Boaz. And sometimes we have to admit that we do not follow along with the same gracious, kindness, forgiving nature that our God has, that Boaz shows so that he's looking for ways to bless the people around him instead of ways to just benefit himself and get ahead in life. But here, all three of them find themselves among the people of God. And each of those characters have, have the opportunity to allow God to speak into their lives and to shape them and show himself to them so that they become more like him. And we, we have the same opportunity to pay attention, to notice what God is doing and how much he's blessed us and where he's at work. And then to follow through and decide we're going to do what he does and we're going to be just like him. And we are going to reflect him so well that when people see us, they will notice the things that we have learned by being part of the people of God because we've been shaped by the king of heaven to live generously and kindly and graciously in every circumstance. Let's pray together. God, this morning we confess that at times we, like Naomi, don't notice the things that you're doing. Sometimes we are so caught up in the negative things of life and the tragedies that befall us and the challenges that we face that we we get down on the situations and we only notice the negative and we don't see the good things that you're doing and the ways the many ways that you provide up for us and that you give us safety and hope the ways that you are at work to to bring circumstances together so that we are safe and provided for and our lives are, are full. God, sometimes we don't know, notice the blessings of, our, of material things or the blessings that we have of the people around us who support us or the blessings of all those coincidences, all those circumstances where you step in and you arrange things in just the perfect way so that we are looked after. Sometimes we don't recognize that those things come from your hands. And sometimes we live out our lives oblivious to the fact that you have done so much for us and blessed us in so many ways. God, we thank you for the reminder this morning in this story of all these characters. And especially for the character of a man like Boaz who obeyed you and went above and beyond to show what you were like, that he was generous and kind and gracious. And we ask you for those moments when we have gotten caught up in our own concerns and have not reflected your character like that. We've not gone over the top to be generous to our neighbors and our coworkers and the people in our family and the people we encounter every day. Help us to be more like you to look like you and to treat other people like you treat them and to love others around us like you love them so that we can truly be called your people so that we could make a difference like Boaz did. God help us to be your people, living out your kingdom so that the world around us can't deny that you are real or that you are good because we reflect you and show you to all who would notice. We pray in Jesus' name.